Now back to the Tribune's Rick Pearson. It's the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. 734 on this Sunday evening. I'm Rick Pearson with the end of the bonus hour of your Sunday Spin for this Sunday. And uh, quite a lively conversation we've had. uh, Talking, of course, about mainly the problems with uh, local government, problems with small businesses and dealing with the coronavirus. And uh, I wanted to have a good friend of the program to close out this segment of the show. Uh, Amanda Vinicky, correspondent at WTTW Channel 11, now joining us. Amanda, thank you so much. But of course, the bonus is mine. Well, I got to tell you, it's been uh, very interesting to watch you guys over at Channel 11 and uh, truly kind of like that idea of, of uh, seeing what's going on out in the neighborhoods. Yeah, there's so much to see in Chicago in terms of how people are coping. There are individual stories. There's, of course, as you just talked about with Brad, municipalities that have different situations. In a sense, we really are all in this together. We're all experiencing the same thing. Having to stay at home, the heartache that that causes, the fear, the anxiety, and I do think one commonality that we've seen in our reporting is this spirit of coming together and that we're going to make it through and we're all going to do whatever that takes. And really, there has been um, not to be you know too sentimental here, but it is pretty incredible to see how many people have sort of risen to the occasion. Yeah, I mean, we we talk about things like the exceptions, like the governor was asked today about that kind of viral video of a, of, of gatherings, yeah. and, those kinds of things. and and it's it is the exception. It's not the rule. Uh, unfortunately, it does get the news attention. Um, but I think you know, yeah, everybody deserves a, everybody deserves a great a great applause for just the overwhelming acceptance of of the stay at home order. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope that that's something that we'll keep in mind. I guess that is something that as we're watching how both people and the government react, I know I've kind of said, much as I love summer, love baseball games, love being outside, it's kind of been good that the weather has been absolute a little bit and that I think people are staying outside and there's, there's that. And then there's also, you know, the element of at what point is there fatigue, not only on the personal level, but as we do look to our elected officials, both in Springfield or frankly throughout the state, since the Illinois General Assembly hasn't met, but nonetheless, as to those quote unquote Springfield officials, the, the state General Assembly, as well as to Congress, Looking where there has been bipartisan cooperation and a degree of level-headedness that that remains because clearly we have seen, as you're not a scientist, neither am I, but as we've seen, this is a virus that is scarier and harsher than anybody first thought or expected, and so it isn't going away and we're going to need to all collectively persevere and not let sort of that fatigue set in and slug it all off. Well, and, and uh, yes, we're all in this together, but I've kind of touched on this with uh, Brad Cole and of course, uh, Brad, former uh, mayor of Carbondale, but you know, we've already had seen kind of this uh, 
the regionalization complaints, uh, you know, long before the coronavirus. It's always kind of been a part of Illinois, but uh, also sure. the fact of uh, our, our, our regional diversity was also kind of a, a strength. And now, you know, I almost wonder if because of what the stay-at-home order, if if that regionalism. Uh, that regional debate has almost intensified. I I got a text from somebody who said, I live downstate. Let me tell you that the animosity towards Chicago has never been greater. Oh, I'm sure. You know, actually, Rick, before we get back to the coronavirus component of that, I want to share, I have a book called This Day in Illinois that sits on my coffee table. And during the coronavirus, during this quarantine, I've actually had time to read it most mornings. And something stuck out at me, the April 17th entry talked about a people in southern Illinois wanting to split from the rest of the state, and in particular, Chicago. That was back in 1861 according to this book so there we go nothing new there um but what's old is new again but in in terms of that you're certainly right i've spoken with legislators and people i mean it's something that uh, folks might not realize i think particularly in chicago where there is concern about hospitals being overloaded something we really haven't experienced a ton of but there there was certainly that fear is that in central in southern illinois you have hospitals laying people off in furloughs because they didn't have anybody coming in in part because of course of elective surgeries but even due to the coronavirus they weren't seeing those numbers um and that comes atop i think like you mentioned that's that's nothing new again dating back to 1861 there's certainly the minimum wage increases that are set to take effect that I think folks in those areas have been smarting from and didn't feel like their regional concerns were taken into account and kind of swallowed that, but are only exacerbated at this point in time as businesses are struggling. Something um, that you're going to continue to see while businesses have stood side by side with the governor at these daily briefings, there has also been sort of this split given a workers' compensation rule. The commission is set to meet tomorrow to cancel something that basically automatically says that workers will get benefits as if they got COVID on the job and, and he, have yeah, businesses and, and, pushing back on that. Which, mm-hmm. which, which I thought was kind of an interesting take because obviously we everybody wants to make sure that there's some kind of coverage and protection for people who are affected by the, the, the coronavirus. But this one was basically almost putting a, a true mandate and, and potential hardship mandate on businesses by there was automatically uh, an automatic default that if somebody got workers uh, if somebody got the coronavirus that was deemed on the job a job related uh, illness and that's where the coverage went and mm-hmm. ultimately uh, a court uh, issued an injunction against it and now we have the uh, workers comp claims uh, commission meeting again on this issue And the expectation is that they're going to do away with that emergency rule. But the governor indicated on Saturday that 
that's not the end of the story, that he expects that they will be back. He said it is not an acknowledgement that the commission exceeded its authority. So this is going to be sort of a, a coming battle. Again, it's one where um, you, you very much see Illinois still has not spread to all of Illinois' 102 counties, I believe 96, so obviously the vast majority of them. But in particular regions, that's just one here or there. Of course, we know that with this virus that it is difficult to say First of all, when there will be an outbreak, when you're going to have a group of people um, get together in some sort of mass gathering and that kicks off some sort of a new cluster or congregate settings can make that data a bit difficult to read versus, and there's also the just sheer element of early on the lagging, particularly early on lagging in tests. So perhaps people had the virus and didn't know it. So there, there's a lot that we don't know. And you very much understand when businesses are hurting and they're fighting all of those battles, why they want exceptions made for be it regions or particular areas, or maybe open up the doors some and just require social distancing and masks. There aren't any easy answers. And I um, certainly would not want to be in the position either of the governor or in any of those entrepreneurs entrepreneurs and business owners who are in such difficult places right now, because I don't think there are going to be any easy answers again, not just now, but really, truly anytime soon. We're speaking with Amanda Vinicky, correspondent at WTTW Channel 11 in Chicago. I'm Rick Pearson. This is the Sunday Spin. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson, the Chicago Tribune, joined on the phone by Amanda Vinicky, correspondent WTTW Channel 11 in Chicago. We're kind of talking about what uh, kind of what state government, what municipal government faces, what's ahead. Um, when's the last time the legislature was in session? <laughs> Today's trivia question. It's been a while. There was a built-in spring break within the period, but I mean, going back to before the governor issued his stay-at-home order, there were questions. You know, are you going to be back? What are you going to do? And it has become very apparent that um, there is that that very soon. What was this question? Are they going to? Are they not? We got answers to that very quickly. The question that we don't have an answer to is. When will they next meet and what is going to happen with the state budget? Illinois has been spending, of course, on everything from field hospitals and, or what we're loosely calling that, basically coronavirus backup overflow facilities that it appears by and large think goodness but are not actually going to need by and large, to be used. You have that. You have um, Illinois that had planned this massive infrastructure spending, and that was counting on money from casinos and from sports betting. Oops. March Madness was canceled. (laughs) No sports betting going on. No casinos up and running there. You have, of course, sales taxes going precipitously down, income taxes down because of the enormously high, unfortunately high, of course, unemployment rates, it is going to be a disaster. And we don't have answers to that either. Those, however, are things that cannot be put off for all that much longer. The deadline to pass a budget is supposed to be the end of May. 
beyond that point, it takes additional votes. And Democrats do have the votes in both chambers to come to some sort of agreement with Governor J.B. Pritzker on that. But uh, the governor has presented a budget that was, you know, back when it was snowing and back in February, long before we knew coronavirus was a thing. And so he has not yet come out with any sort of other plan. He said that he's in talks with the legislature. But what Illinois is going to do and when they are going to do it, we've been asking and we don't have any answers. The governor today was asked, you know, what are your big budget challenges? And he really couldn't quite pinpoint that other than to say revenue slash there are a lot well yeah i mean when you look at uh i mean that's why you know mentioning uh, senate president don Harmon's letter of, of seeking right. aid from the federal government uh you know it was 41.6 billion dollars which was basically that's the state budget uh now granted yeah. it wasn't you know, it, it was for various things, but but nevertheless, uh, when you start looking at the revenue holes that exist for the current budget year, which ends uh, on June thirtieth, as well as the the budget hole that is projected for the budget year that starts July one, uh, into the billions of dollars, uh, there are no easy fixes here. Part of that, of course, is. Illinois' uh, underfunded pension system, which uh, basically have a quarter of every dollar in tax revenue that goes for pensions. Right. Part of it is Illinois not having made a lot of choices. I'm, I was going to say difficult choices. Some of them, they just didn't even bother to make choices um, for so many years. And so part of that is on Illinois. And then part of it, isn't part of it is of course nobody expected anything like this so even if illinois had a quote-unquote rainy day fund this isn't just a rainy day it's not a storm it is a full-blown tsunami hitting for months on end and so there's no way that i think you're going to see any state easily recuperate from this particularly those like Illinois, where financially we weren't doing so hot to begin with. Well, and and I, one I, of the big questions, oh, sorry, Rick, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, one of the things is when you look at a rainy day fund, there's also the political pressures that, okay, you're going to start salting away, what, two, three, four billion dollars. And politically, it's like, what, what are you doing with that money? It's just sitting in an account. Why don't you rebate taxes or do something like that? So, I mean, that's right. the the yin and the yang of this thing and again not that that's been an issue that illinois has had to face Correct. correct. <laughs> we haven't had a rainy day we don't have a fund to draw on at this point in time and we, we we just don't that is not something we're going to be looking at what will be interesting to watch is not only as you noted what lawmakers and the governor are going to do and who is going to take the lead on that will there be bipartisan cooperation or will this be something that you see that break either regionally given this angst that continues that we continue to see or is that going to be something that is a partisan divide but also what is going to happen with the graduated income tax that you haven't heard the governor talk a ton about unless he is asked Business groups are starting to really ratchet that up, and then the governor very much has a response. He's, it, that will be on the November ballot, and much of next year's budget, the governor had really predicated on that passing. And what dynamics of that have changed 
in terms of taxing income at graduated rates because of the coronavirus. Well, and one thing that even in his estimates that we've noted is this this had been projected to the, the graduated tax with the uh, tax rate high on higher incomes versus the flat rate tax. That'll be a proposed constitutional amendment on your November 3rd ballot uh, to switch to a graduated tax. One of the things is Pritzker had uh, forecast $1.4 billion in revenue, additional revenue, because of that tax for the six-month period that it would be uh, take effect. But uh, that's already been reduced by two hundred. A million dollars so oh, yeah. that, that's already been reduced by 200 million so what what's the practical impact even further given you know unemployment and those kinds of things Right. Well, and and even I I think maybe some people will be more apt to vote for this because they will say, hey, wait a second, my income is severely diminished. I don't want to be taxed at that same rate. Maybe they will appreciate a tax structure that incorporates that. Others, I, I think, are saying that at this time where on, there's a the lack of trust in general of governments, period, where businesses are part of that, small businesses that, as we have talked about, are taking all of these other hits, are going to be particularly anxious about what that might mean for them. Um, what sort of even ads will you see in campaigning for or against this, because we don't know what we're going to be looking at in November. One, of course, hopes, and we're looking at the end of the stay-at-home order going through the end of, right now of May, but there's no telling how long truly this could go on. I mean, I, I say that, and it's like, <laughs> people yeah, want well, to be outside. I would rather be at a White Sox game or something. But we, we've heard from scientists that there could be a resurgence in the fall. The governor today talked about schools needing to be prepared, regardless of the pandemic, but yes, including because of COVID-19, that schools might not be in person come fall. So th- there's so much that could change just in terms of even the conversation. Well, and that's why I wonder if, given the unknowns here, if we don't, if we rather than trying to adopt a state budget for a full year, that we don't do a partial one. We don't know if and what form any additional federal aid may be to states and local governments. That I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, even as the science is, it's kind of we're all developing this on the fly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that we've heard lawmakers talk about. And so you're right, Rick, I guess if I had to place a bet at this point, that's maybe that that's what I would do for practical reasons, as well as for political ones, because there would be, I think, a general understanding of why that's the course of action to take. And it also would allow legislators to put off some truly very difficult decisions, especially as those who are incumbents are looking to run for re-election. And you both have this massive need for additional revenue going into state government in it this because unlike the feds we can't really you know print money and <laughs> make big deals like that that that's just not how it works and yet you have even as there's a total lack of revenue people don't have the extra money in their pockets now more than ever to pay in taxes and in fees and so there isn't of course going to be any appetite for that it makes it so very difficult well, and I have to wonder too if you know we had the the uh, 
legislation that if this constitutional amendment gets enacted for graduated rates was based on a you know basically trying to keep this limited to people paying more would be 93 percent or less of the public would pay less than or at least the same if not less under what the the governor's sales pitch is for this i'm just wondering if given the given the state of the economy if you know blow up that chart and you know what what are the what are the incomes going to be and and whether you know this isn't something that the business community and the, the who opposes it uh, might try to exploit is that you know there's not enough income from that that top some percent anymore Mm-hmm. You're right. I think they will. They will do all they can to fight this. That has been apparent for quite some time. So we will. We, we will see that. And even as you noted, how much revenue Illinois really will get from it. I mean, I think this is a long-term fight for on both sides. So looking beyond these two fiscal years, they're going to really dig in their heels because um, if it fails this time, I don't see it having an easy time coming back next time around, regardless of these very exceptional circumstances. As I always say, you know, so much about politics hinges on the things that are beyond a candidate or politician's control. And I think this is a prime example of that. Nobody could have ever fathomed or imagined. (laughs) That is certainly true. Uh, one last thing uh, I mentioned about Senator Harmon's letter and the the, the ten yeah. million the ten billion dollars he sought in federal assistance to, for pension stabilization. Uh, I think that may have really thrown kind of a clinker into the whole argument about federal help to the states plural. Yeah, it was a letter that I think has is is where both sides are really again, as you noted. I guess I'll use the best word for that: sort of exploited and taken that for all that it is worth. Um, I have gotten a lot of feedback. You know, I mean, anytime you talk pensions, there is immediate eyebrows raised, antennas up, and people paying attention. And so that's where you saw, I think, this, you know, Nikki Haley tweet, which really set off this firestorm of, hey, we're not going to bail Illinois out. And then there's the conversation, Illinois being more a donor state that actually gives more to the feds in taxes, and yet a, has not. It's a, it's, a to, it's a total firestorm. And Amanda, I'm sorry, oh, I'm going to have to end things right it's there. About eight. We can't talk that out now. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda Vinicky, correspondent WTTW Channel 11, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure to be back, Rick. Stay safe and well, and every all of your listeners and fans, too. Absolutely, all of us.